Norma I. Quintana is an American photographer and educator working in the tradition of social documentary. Using a medium format camera, she photographs with film, primarily in black and white using available light. She has participated in a wide range of solo and group shows. Quintana's documentary project, Circus, A Traveling Life, was published as a monograph in 2014. Her series, Forage from Fire, after surviving the devastating Atlas Peak wildfire in 2017, is currently being exhibited at the California Museum of Photography at the University of California, Riverside. She's a founding member of the San Francisco Bay Area nonprofit Photo Alliance. Quintana is presently working on her portrait series, Forget Me Not, Recuerdos, based on family photographs from Puerto Rico. Norma has lectured nationally at major universities, including art residencies at Penn State and American University in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Norma. I'm so happy you could be here. Absolutely. Thank you for your invitation. Of course. Um, and happy Friday. I noticed on your Instagram you have uh, Frida Day on Fridays. So that was fun to see today. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's it's what I do on Fridays. I, I post, thank God it's Frida Friday. And uh, it, it's, it taps into my, um, you know, my, my love for Frida. And I also named my youngest daughter Frida after Frida Kahlo. I was going to ask you if you've been to her house in Coyoacan. I went there years ago. I haven't had that privilege, but it's on my list. I thought I was going to go this year, but obviously with the pandemic, it's, but it's on, definitely on my list. So I thought we could start the interview just with some background about you. Um, one mysterious question I have is just what the I is in for your middle initial, because it's on your website and Instagram. And so I thought I'd start with that. Um, it's interesting. Well, it's I is for Iris and okay. in Spanish it's Iris. So um, that's the, so my name is Norma Iris Quintana in Spanish, but it's Iris. Okay. Um, and then you were born in Cleveland, Ohio? Yes, yes. I was born in the Midwest. Okay. My, and my parents were born actually in Puerto Rico. And so was my uh, only brother. Oh, okay. And so we moved to Cleveland um, and when I was probably in s- six years old. Okay. But I was technically born in Ohio. And have you uh, spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico? You know, I did during the summers as, um, as a little girl. It was what my parents, my mother particularly, would do. She, I never went my father, which is curious. But every summer, my mother would take my brother and I to Puerto Rico um, for at least a month. And we would travel there uh, to see her f- family and my father's family who were alive, the grandparents. And so it was something I did every summer, actually. Great. And then just um, in terms of creativity, did you, did, did you consider yourself creative as a child or have uh, creative passions? You know, it, that, that was such a great question. You, um, uh, it is a great question about creativity. Um, I don't have a, a vivid memory of being very creative as a child. Actually, in, in fact, I think I, I grew up feeling that creativity was a luxury mm-hmm. and, a, and a privilege, um, which is, I know it might strike some people um, kind of unique, but in my case, being the daughter of, of working class um, immigrants, it was not something that was um, spoken of, of course, and uh, and nurtured, as I recall it. Um, and I think part of that is because I sometimes think that creativity is associated with doing something. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I also associate it with space, um, with free time, with cultivation. So, um, and so if I, if I, if I form the question that way and I start looking at it that way, I don't have a memory of it. Mm-hmm. If I think about it in terms of experience, I think about maybe my memory 
of music that I remember because music was something that was very part of the Caribbean experience. And so I do remember music being something that I would listen to, not something that we would, that would be in our home. Mm-hmm. Well, actually they would be in our home usually with albums, but I would say music is as close to creativity as I, in my head, um, remember, but it was a great, it's a really great question. And then how about like art classes or maybe inspirational teachers you might've had? No, not at all. Um, I never had um, the opportunity, especially because I lived in the inner city in Cleveland. And so we didn't have a lot of resources. And and I also went to a parochial school. Uh, um, So I went to a Catholic school and I don't recall actual classes. Again, I do remember music. I remember a piano teacher and I remember having her um, ask me to sing in Spanish. And so I did as a little girl. So that is the one memory I have is very clear to me is, is my, my experience with possibly being, uh, you know, or joining a choir, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So it was more that sort of thing. Okay. And then how about just in terms of your um, photography interest, did you have a camera early on or, or I guess, how did you become interested in taking photographs in, in photography? Um, I came to photography much later in my life, actually. Um, I mean, I've always had a camera. You know, you had asked once about um, my cameras. I always remember having a Kodak camera, taking a camera uh, with me wherever I would go, always. In terms of actually pursuing photography, that came after I had moved to... um, from San Francisco, well, by way of Cleveland to San Francisco, and then San Francisco to to where I live in the wine country here in Napa, and um, I, I, the, the probably the short story that would might be a bit end, endless, but it, I, what ended up happening is that when I moved to um, uh, after leaving Hewlett Packard, which is where I used to work, and I had a career in. Uh, corporate America, I found myself moving to um, to to Napa. Um, and when I did, I didn't come with my career. So I think it was during that time that I started to kind of pursue my interests. And in doing that, I knew that it was going to be something like painting or even music but I found myself interested in photography. And I think part of that is, I think if you were to look at most people, bookshelves, if you look there, I think it'll tell you a lot. And in my bookshelves, there were a lot of books on photography or monographs, books by photographers. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to that place and I started to look, then I thought, wow, this is interesting. I may have to pursue this. And um, and I was pretty clear in the very beginning that I wanted to do fine art. Mm-hmm. I clearly remember that almost very, I was very aware of, of where I wanted, where I wanted to go with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That I, that I wanted to pursue it as a, a fine art. And so, um, so I think that that's where it started. The genesis was me really um, exploring uh, my interest, um, trying to, with time, uh, you know, to determine kind of the path that I, the creative path, and then pursuing um, some how to learn about photography. And at first I thought I was going to get a degree in photography because I came from being in the Midwest and going for these kind of classic education. Um, and I had a, I have a master's in uh, juvenile justice and I thought, well, I'll just get uh, a degree. And so I applied to the art Institute was accepted, but remember I live about an hour away from the art Institute. So after commuting for one year, I really made the decision that I, what I needed to do wasn't necessarily get a degree, but to pursue the work. Mm-hmm. So once I got to that point, that's when I started to really study 
um, and learn more about photography. And was this um, pre-children or after you had children? Uh, after I had my children. Okay. So um, I had my two first, my, I have three children, but my first two and, you know, I call it my, my breakdown breakthrough. I got to the point where I didn't know. And I think it happens to a lot of women where I, I have this, I have these crossroads. And so I found myself wanting to do the work, but then also wanting to, you know, to have the, my family and I had to kind of negotiate how I was going to do that. So that's why I think for me, um, going for a degree was not my path, but learning the craft was the way for me to actually do both, do family and then do my photography. And you did a lot of studying of uh, photographers, obviously, and it looks like you were drawn to a lot of women photographers. I did. I, I realized that um, at that time, it was interesting, particularly because we're talking, you know, about 20 years ago, there was this emphasis on the camera and the technique. And so it was something that I actually struggled with because it's, I'm very intuitive in the way I photograph. So for me, it's not about how you, what you shoot with, but what you shoot. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, nonetheless, I ended up studying, you know, like photography 101. And what I did is I started to um, attend classes locally at a community college. And it, it was really, it was a magical, a magical place. I mean, a wonderful place. Um, the dark room was wonderful. The, t- the, the instructors were very ever present. And, and it was literally like five miles away from my home. So it became a really great match for me to learn the craft. But then also, um, you know, have the accessibility to learning uh, the craft of photography. So I took Photography 101. I took classes about the history of photography. I mean, I really started from the very beginning about photography. And then you mainly, um, were you mainly working with the medium format camera then? I mean, that seems like that's primarily what you've used. Yeah, now I use only that. Um, in the very beginning, I, I had a 35 millimeter camera and shot um, only black and white film. And I still do, except now I don't shoot 35. I, I shoot medium format. So I started with um, 35 um, black and white. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously did the dark room. So that was my, the, the first entry into photography was shooting black and white, um, 35 millimeter. And, and that's how I started. And then we'll get into this later when we talk about your fire series, but I know you had a lot of cameras that were burned in that fire. And so you've probably right. had to repurchase, um, some nice cameras after that. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I, I have, I've, you know, being an analog photographer and being a collector, um, I've loved just, you know, your, the, the cameras that most of which I can use if they may have some light leaks, but I really love, um, uh, and, and to this day now I've replaced some of, some of the cameras have, have always collected the, the, the cameras and the more basic, the, the better I'm, really i love the simplicity of of the basic camera for me it, yeah. it, it seems to work it takes down you know the the you know all it, it takes it to a very basic level and i work best with that so um yes so now i shoot with a medium format camera and then you um did some workshops at the main media photography workshops um looks like two were in oaxaca or were they Two separate programs, right. yeah. Right. So, so one of the so so um, after I started to take after I finished taking some classes, I found myself um, trying to figure out what my next path was, and and part of that was to really look at um, people's work who I really admired. And then decided, well, um, let's see if they teach. And so the main you know, workshops, the main media workshops, which is an amazing um, 
you know, organization, um, you know, involving so many great photographers and they've been around for four decades and still even now, and I highly recommend it to, to anybody who's listening. Um, so there was these, basically um, a, a couple of photographers first that I um, was interested in. And one of them was, is, it was Mary Ellen Mark. And so it turns out that Mary Ellen Mark had a workshop in Oaxaca, Mexico. And so I joined up and I thought, well, it's interesting, I can do it. It has a beginning, middle, end. And so I studied with her. And then I did another class with Graciela Iturbide, who's a Mexican photographer, very different photographer, did a class with her. And then through, I don't know if it was main workshops, might've been Santa Fe, but when I wanted to learn about lights, because at that point I wasn't sure I was in that place of trying to figure out the kind of photography I wanted to do. And I really needed to learn about lights. And so I thought, well, who better than Shelby Lee Adams? And Shelby Lee Adams is this incredible photographer who um, who who's, who's, uh, has done you know, a lot of work. And one of his bodies of work that is just stunning uh, and breathtaking is his work in um, of people in Appalachia. And so he does these incredible portraits with a large camera and he actually brings a generator and he's got lights. And so he, I, with him, I learned about lights. Mm -hmm. And so I, that I was drawn to these photographers for different reasons. Yeah. So that's, that's why I ended up going to, to these places and uh, studying with these great uh, people. And I, but I am drawn to the women photographers. Mm -hmm. And it looks like, I mean, those three photographers you mentioned, they all primarily do black and white as well, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Just black and white. Mary Ellen, I think, shoots, uh, shot um, then with large or larger camera. Like, I think Graciela Iturbide still um, shoots with a, um, a 35 millimeter. Mm -hmm. Shelby Lee Adams uses a, a large camera. So uh, that, you know, it's, it's partly why I was drawn to them. And I learned different things from all three people. It was just fascinating. And it's part of my education. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, were they uh, like yeah. long workshops or are they longer than that? Um, I, the, the, they usually were about 10 days. And what was great is that I got to really kind of leave my home and then, you know, go and take the class and then come back. Yeah, just and immerse so yourself in it. Immerse myself. And I had the luxury of being able to travel there and then stay there. Yeah, it's uh, an incredible Oaxaca. city. Yeah. Yeah. Oaxaca's amazing. And then um and then Shelby Lee Adams was in Colorado. Um yeah, I got to go to Oaxaca luckily many years ago, but I studied Spanish for about a month there, which was an incredible experience. But it's a wonderful city. Know. Lots of art and culture of all kinds and amazing food. And, <laughs> and yeah, and, and then Oaxaca has that, you know, the, the Manuel Bravo Center, which is an amazing place, um, photography. So um, oh, I didn't make it big, there. There's, yeah, it's, the, it's a big center. Um, and uh, and they, that's why there are so many people, main workshops, Santa Fe, a lot of organizations go to Oaxaca because it's a lot of resources and there's a big, you know, big, um, you know, center of photography there. So um, it's one of the reasons why people go there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I thought we could jump into some of your photo projects since you have okay. a nice body of work. And um, well, first of all, I guess I can ask a general question, which is, do you have a, where do you find inspiration for your projects? Is it kind of, I mean, I know it's kind of a tricky question, but. Um... No, I, I think it's a good question. I think um, I'm the kind of photographer that I start doing work when I have something to say. And I don't know if that resonates with you, but um, because I think it's in the way I do my work. So in the case of, you know, if we want to start with in the case of circus, for example, so the first body of work that I that I have done is about circus, and and as a result, I have a book, Circus: A Traveling Life, and so it's my first monograph. And so, what 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 was interesting about that is that after I I remember distinctly coming back, having this incredible experience, 
um, with Mary Ellen Mark and talking about basically the 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 you know the kind of the theme of the of the workshop was about the world observed mm-hmm. and so I go to Oaxaca I um, you know study with her and I'm in great company with some great photographers who I'm really close to even to this day and so I was given a project I did some work and so I found it to be very contained and there was, there were things for me to do. But then when I come to Napa, I return, I remember distinctly feeling like, wow, like what am I gonna do here? I'm not a landscape photographer, which would be obvious, right? And the beauty of the pastoral mm-hmm. nature of Napa. Um, I'm not in a very big, um, you know, I'm not in an urban setting where there's a lot happening and that sort of thing. And so I remember thinking, okay, what have I done? I have, I've left this great class. I have come to a place where I wanted to start photographing, but what is it that I want to, what do I photograph? It was really kind of a, a, um, a, again, break, you know, breakdown, breakthrough moment of struggling, but then getting to the other side. And so I distinctly remember finding a little announcement about a circus and I thought, oh, you know, circus, so does everybody else. Everybody loves the circus. And, and, I, and I, I just remember thinking, okay, we can all photograph the same thing, but it will all be, they're all going to be different. And mm-hmm. you have to remember that. And so even if you've seen these images, I say to most artists, go for it because your interpretation will be your interpretation. So yeah. I literally went to the town, um, the county fair grounds, and I, you know, knocked at the door of one of the trailers of the owner. And I remember saying, you know, listen, I, I'm a photographer, I'm a student, I'm new at this, and can I photograph? And I remember um, his name is Jud, um, Judkins, um, and he's James Judkins. And he said, well, if the trapeze family says it's okay, it's okay with me. And that's how it started. That's wild. So I went to so I went to talk to the trapeze, the trapeze family, and they looked at me and they thought like a lot of photographers that they've approached them. They thought I was from the press, and I said, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to photograph. Do you mind? And so I started to photograph, and I just was seduced. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could not leave. I mean, I photographed every day. They were there, not knowing where I was going to take this work at all. I mean, I spent hours and hours to my family's um, horror. They thought I had lost my mind. <laughs> I think they had never witnessed me literally um, just not being around anymore. I mean, I, yeah. I literally would just leave in the morning and I would spend the entire day with, with them. The other thing I did is I knew pretty much um, right away that I did, wasn't interested in taking photographs of them filming uh, uh, performing. Mm-hmm. I was interested in in the back of the house. Yeah, I wanted to photograph them. So I found myself um, just just totally immersed and thought, okay, they're here for seven days. I'll, I'll photograph for seven days. Well, that turned into ten years. Wow, of work. So with the same circus. So I wanted to clarify that. So my body of work is about photographing the same one ring American circus for 10 years. So I didn't photograph a lot of circuses. I just photographed this particular one circus. And then within that circus, I photographed different people from China, Russia, South America, Mexico, Canada, and that sort of thing. And would you travel around to different parts of the uh, country to see them or was it always? Yes. No, it was always in the, you know, because of my family and because I had made this conscious decision to be the primary caretaker, um, I found myself, I still remember because I love maps, getting a AAA map and then putting it up on a wall and circling. And as long as I can drive to where they were at and come back, um, it was what I would do. So I would, I would photograph them when they were on the West side, they were basically on the West side of the country, uh-huh. they were basically, um, uh, they would follow 
believe it or not, one of the things that they would follow would be the prison route, which is interesting. Oh. So wherever there was a prison, so I call it the prison route. And it was during the day, during the time when they would actually mail me um, a route. Uh-huh. And so I would know like, okay, so they're in Napa and maybe they're now in Ukiah and the, or they'll be down in Santa Cruz or they'll be, you know, near Bakersfield. So it would have to be around a place where I could drive. Right. Um, and, uh, and then come back. And then how many families would, would you say were in the circus? Was it? Usually um, the troops, I would say there were probably maybe five significant families um, who would then, so there would be a family with a history of being acrobats and there would be a trapeze family and there would be jugglers. And so, you know, then there would be a contortionist and so um, hula hoop. So it depends on what talent they were hired to do. Uh-huh. So, so, but in terms of like main families, I would say, maybe five to six, and then the rest would either be supporting them or be in the cookhouse or would set up the tents um, and that sort of thing. So there was, there were, there were, it wasn't a huge circus. It was considered a small traveling, uh, one ring, no animal circus. And about how many people were in in an average circus? um, I would say in the company, maybe 50. Oh, okay. and then, yeah. And then, you know, all together, easy another all together, another 50 or 60. So a hundred over a hundred and a hundred people, I suspect very, very small, con- you know, considering ring laying and that sort of thing. So and then what, e- what years were the photographs taken? So I started, I started to photograph when they actually started the circus. So it was 2000. Okay. And then I ended up 10 years later. Is and uh, because I never knew when I was done, um, I just would photograph. It was it was kind of an interesting process. And then I remember that he closed the circus, and it was me time for me. It was perfect timing because I was ready to close the project. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to pursue doing a book. And I I'm just kind of curious about their reaction to the photographs. I'm sure you shared them with them, but um... oh, I did, and I gave them photographs. Um, they, it was it what was um, they literally got what I did because my work was in black and white, and so often they would share with me their photographs of their families, and so many of them were in black and white, particularly the older ones. And so they understood that it was art. They really mm-hmm. understood that. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they kept asking, like, what am I going to do with it? And, and that sort of thing. Because at that point, I mean, I still don't do digital, but it wasn't something they could see. Right. But I would come back um, maybe with contact sheets to show them. And then, of course, I would give them a, a photograph. And then you've had um, numerous shows of the the circus series, correct? I have, yeah. It's been really um, kind of well received, and it's traveled um, around, and it's been to you know um, from Los Angeles to you know to uh, uh, Manchester, which is where you and I um, have similar experiences. Yeah. And, um, so it's it's and then it's really been and of course the bay area so it's been um seen and actually i just got a an inquiry from somebody who's having a show about circus life and wanted uh, to see if i wanted to participate the issue is i lost all my prints in the fire yeah yeah um so how are you you have all the negatives or you don't have the negatives? right so um yeah. so before i go to the to the, the, the next body of work i did i um so my negatives, believe it or not, of this particular body of work, and a forget-me-not, were still with my master printer. Thank oh, thank God. God. Yeah, thank that's God. incredible. Right. Wow. Right. Um, and then with the book, too, was that just published recently? For your so it, yeah, it was uh, published uh, late 2014 by Damiani, um, which is an incredible um, um, publisher. And then it was designed by Yolanda Cuomo, who's an incredible um, book designer who's done 
Avedon and Arbus and, you know, just a lot of great photographers. And I, she did this book and probably will do my next book. Um, and so she, she's definitely old school and still uh, cuts and pace and just has this incredible talent for putting together a concept of books. And so um, that in itself is another hour about getting a book published. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the book looks incredible. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, and people can buy it, purchase it on your website, which I'll yeah, direct everyone to later. Yeah, yeah, that'd but, be great. I still have um, some copies. Yeah, look, it's just an incredible collection. So that's just in terms of, I guess, your other projects, um, which one would you like to talk about next? The Forget well, Me Not or Forest yeah, from Fire? No, let's, do, let's go to Forest from Fire. So, okay. um, so, so um, the audience probably, so, so one thing that happened, um, unfortunately, is that in, in, the, in late 2017, um, my home and my studio and everything in it was um, destroyed within hours uh, in the California fires. And so um, it, it was this, uh, I can't even describe it because it was crushing, it was epic, it was um, a loss that I think, uh, as most people, uh, if you, you can't imagine it because you can't, if you have an experience that you can't imagine. Yeah. And so, um, so it was called the Atlas Peak Fire. And so, um, so all my cameras, all my work, my, my studio, my home of 30 years, all my, all wow. these things were just, was, uh, was destroyed. And so, um, as, a, as an artist, I think that we have these, these incredible tools. And in my case, I found myself with the only camera I had, which was my iPhone camera. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of ironic that it took a disaster for me to go digital because <laughs> it really, I have always been an analog photographer. I've been asked about why do I do digital? It's not like I'm, I'm not against digital. It's just not my method and yeah. it's not my, my way of capturing and creating photographs. And so I found that I had this instinct to just take my camera um, that was ready in my hand, a constant com companion. And it was a way for me to express myself and kind of capture what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, after the, the, the dust, not dust, but it, there was some, I think about three days later and, and I, we were escorted to the property by the, um, a sheriff, um, mm -hmm. we, I ended up going to the property and it was pretty devastating. And, and I realized that when I was there that I didn't want to photograph the site. It was because I didn't want that to be what people saw. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't want that to be the memory of my home mm -hmm. and, I, and it was it was both probably a conscious decision and maybe an unconscious decision but I didn't do that I mean I saw it all over the news I would see these you know people standing by their sites that's not what I wanted to photograph yeah and so what I ended up doing is I started to to sift through the rubble because immediately when you look at the site, there wasn't anything you could recognize, particularly on our site. I mean, it was like a bomb hit wow. and shattered everything. But when I sifted, I would find remnants mm -hmm. of something that I would recognize. And so the only other format I had was Instagram. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would sift, I would there was a, was a series, I don't know if you've seen a series of the trays. So that was kind of like my first thing that I did, which was on the floor, there would be these trays of inside this cabinet I had that I was able to dig up. And in that tray, I would find 
you know, whatever I, you know, what, what was in the tray. And in that case, it was a lot of jewelry, but it didn't look like jewelry. It would be like stones or uh-huh. you know, that sort of thing. But anyway, so I started with that. And then I moved into just naturally uh, putting items in a box. And then when I would get to where I was, because I didn't have a home for three months, I would uh, put I had a I have a series a series of gloves and I would take a glove and then I would put the item that I found on the glove and then I would take an, uh, um, a photograph of my iPhone and that's what I would put on Instagram. Yeah, and the gloves are like the the gloves they would give you to deal yes. with rub, rubble after right, the fire. Right, yeah, yeah, I've right, seen those. exactly yeah. the black ones. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, I mean, now that everybody's using the blue ones, but it was the black gloves. And obviously, I had an N95, um, and I still that's why I had some, um, you know, because it was it was really um, there was uh, you you know it was very um, toxic environment, right? In, initially, so I ended up putting that and it's and so when I posted them I I I hesitated initially because they were pretty intense images in the sense that they were they were burned but you almost knew what it was and so I started to post and then it got started to picked up by the media it wasn't my intent it was what happened right and so I think that when um then the media wanted as they do wanted to look for stories they contacted me and then I started to get a lot of press and it just started to become what it was which is a lot of press and KQED and CBS and and so people wanted to know and I just kept photographing and started and I called the series Forge from Fire. And this may be kind of an odd question, but did you end up saving any of those objects that you photographed? Just because, I mean, I think they're oh, beautiful I, and I, intriguing. I did actually, and and um, I have, I had a couple. So far, I've had a couple shows. One of them was at uh, a, a show on the anniversary of the fire at San Francisco Camera Work, um, and I also, I what I did is besides the photographs, I had a vitrine. I created a vitrine and I put objects. And um, because like, I found them to, to, to be, for me, they were beautiful. And I also, they, had, they held so much memory. And mm-hmm. I think that, that part of my story is that, um, I mean, you had asked before, like, was there anything you can live without? And the question is, it's not, it's probably the only thing I can't live without is memories. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have to have memories. And I think that what these items were for me were my memories. That things that we have are about memories that in the Western culture, we're so burdened by our things. I mean, particularly creative people, we at least the people I know we're such collectors we we, you know we we have installations we love to have things around us and I think part of that is because it inspires us it um they um they they are they're they're beautiful there's you know there's a graphic quality etc etc so I wanted to continue that so in some Mm -hmm. ways I continued my collection and so that that they're displayed at the moment and I think you can actually find it online at the California, my work is now um, at the California Museum of Photography at Riverside. And so they built a vitrine um, for me and put objects there of cameras and um, parts of dolls and part of jewelry or things from, from the kitchen. And so that they, they were these objects. And so, yes, I've kept them and I've actually logged them like specimens uh-huh. you know I've actually logged them and put down what it was and uh-huh. and then I've protected them so in some ways uh, I still have them the, it, it was people would ask well are you going there to find like a wedding ring and I thought well first of all those things all disappear mm-hmm. I thought no it wasn't about something they but they were things of value of mine yeah yeah so yeah so that's called at, you know that's called forge from fire and were you able to make it to the girl opening? Because it opened on February 29th. It I, like. di- I did. The week before the shelter in place in California, we had a huge opening, hundreds of people. And it was, uh, it was, it was fascinating because 
with my work, um, so at UC Arts, um, they ended up, um, I ended up being in the company of, of these photojournalists that ha had actually been at the fire that destroyed my home at night with the firefighters. So they were out there photographing. Oh. And, uh, and I actually, it, it, was, it was so interesting because it was like, we were all there uh, again, but they were photographing the fires and I was experiencing the fires. And they right. found what I did fascinating. And yeah. I, um, the curator um, was referred to my work as the soul of the, of the exhibition, the heart and soul, oh. because it was very personal. Yeah. And the show's still there. It looks like it's there through August 9th. Can people go online and look at it virtually? Or? Absolutely. They can go yeah? to okay. UC Arts online. And um, I believe I heard from David McCullough, the, who is the curator, senior curator, that it's likely to be extended. And it's also going to travel because it's also about landscape and the Western landscape. So, mm -hmm. um, so it was a, it was a stunning show and I'm in great company and, um, and I've had great feedback from that, from that particular Yeah, so show. that's UCR Arts, the University of California, Riverside. Absolutely. Arts. Okay, great. Right. Um, and then the, let's talk a little bit about uh, Forget-Me-Not, that project. Right. So, the, so now I'm at the Forget-Me-Not. So one of the, so the Forget-Me-Not series is based on my childhood in Puerto Rico. So my very modest family had a series of small cabinet photographs, not the classic Parisian ones, but the um, little snapshots, but they were somehow in um, with a backdrop. And so I, I, I feel that that particular body of that, those snapshots probably uh, ignited my passion for photography, for photography. And they had been in my family uh, for a long time. And so what I had done is I had recreated the backdrop so I looked at the images and had a painter do a backdrop. And then I create, recreated the stand, but they were burned in the fire. So I just had them redone again, which is um, something that I've done, that I've been wanting to do. And what I, what I have done in the past has been to have every, everyday people um, be my subjects. So they come, they were in the front of my backdrop and I, and I photographed them. So that's called Forget Me Not. And I was inspired to do that based on, on that history. And also, again, the whole theme of memory, I wanted to kind of tap into um, the subject of memory and about people I didn't want you to forget. And so that's what I'm going to do. Luckily, it's six feet apart, so I don't need to be close. I do available light. I have a backdrop and a stand, they're very easy. I'm, I don't have any assistance. And then I photograph everyday people. So far, I have photographed from a beekeeper to um, farm workers to Francis Ford Coppola to um, a, a beauty queen. So it's, it's these people that I'm, uh, you know, I'm attracted to. Of course, my, my current list is endless because it's going to, you know, include, you know, COVID-19 um, you know, healthcare mm -hmm. workers and that sort of thing. So it's, it's, that's going to be the body of work. And I shoot that with my large format camera that I replaced and with film, black and white film. And, and is it mainly focused on people only in Napa Valley in that area? Uh, I would say community. So I've, mm -hmm. I'm somewhat open. Um, I, what was, uh, I had planned uh, before the fire to go to Puerto Rico with the backdrop, believe it or not, the one that I had before to photograph and go back to the town where I was photographed. And they had um, Hurricane Maria. So I remember uh, during that time, and then all of a sudden I had a fire. So, so um, it wasn't possible, but it might involve that. But for now it's currently in the area. And I found that most people will, will have agreed. I mean, it, 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 it's interesting because it's a very colorful backdrop, but the work is black and white. Mm -hmm. So that's my current body work. 
And then in terms of just the photo booth, um, the original, was that something that you would just, would, a photographer would take your photo in the photo booth in Puerto Rico? Right. I, I, th I think that um, um, it, it's, it's interesting because I, I believe that particularly then it was, it was the way for people who didn't have the means to be photographed um, to go somewhere. Usually it was around holidays. So for example, if there was a festival, um, there would be a photographer there and then people would be um, where they're best and come to be photographed. So it wasn't like, I, I, I suspect it wasn't like a, um, a booth that was there all the time, but it was yeah. more like an event. That That's the history. I've got some more research to do, which is really the fun part. But yeah. um, and, but it's, it's interesting because I have spoken to my parents, may they they're not alive, may they rest in peace. And but I have an uncle, and I took a photograph. I, I sent him a copy of it, and he I, of him when he was a young man, and he said he didn't remember, which was interesting. Oh. But then I, when I started, so I that, but I sent him the photograph because I wanted to really talk to him about it, and then he started to somehow remember that he wanted to send that photograph to, to, um, to my father who was in the States. And so I, uh -huh. part of, I think all of those images are about remembering and also about sending them to their families um, who, were, uh, who, who had immigrated because they weren't, they were more, um, I'll have them in, because that's gonna be my next book. I will have them, I'll have the original ones. And then also you can see through the years, that they went from being these beautiful landscape, uh, you know, environments to at the end, it was just a, um, a booth with a curtain. It was interesting. Mm -hmm. So by the, yeah. by the, by the 60s, it was like, okay, they just walked in somewhere <laughs> and they just took it, had a photograph, but I'm including that in the, in the series. And do you have images of yourself? I think I saw one of maybe your, your, yes. your brother. Yeah. Um, I, but, so yeah. there's, there's one of, uh, of my brother and I, and then there, there was one of my mom and my brother, and I think she was pregnant with me. But that was the only two. And I don't recall, except my mother did say that the, my dress was yellow. Ah, interesting. Which, which is interesting that she would remember the color of my dress. But yeah. I don't think she remembered, because I kept asking, you know, and, I, and to this day, I searched the internet, and um, there are not that many photographs out uh -huh. there but I'm determined to do some more research. So if anybody there in the audience has an idea, that'd be great. And then it looks like you, I think I, one of these is your husband, right? Who's a cardiologist? Yes, yes. And, and that was interesting because you would think that would be obvious, but it wasn't. I've been married to him for a very long time and I know what he does. Um, and I remember seeing him once and I saw him and I thought, I remember seeing him and I said, oh my God, what happened? And he looked at me very perplexed and said, what do you mean? And I said, there's blood everywhere. And he looked at me and he thought, he said, <laughs> what do you think I do? And then I realized that even I, after being with him and knowing what he does, because of course you don't see that when you see the physician afterwards, a right. procedure or that sort of thing. So it really um, resonated with me and it made me even think about, there, there's always this, this view of a person doing something, but what I wanted to do and will do is to photograph people in their element. So if, mm -hmm. if they're cutting your grass and, you know, cutting weeds, I mean, those weeds end up on you. So I, if I photograph them, I want to photograph them with that on them. I don't want them to right. be antiseptic. So pretty yeah. Honest. Yeah. And then uh, it sounds like you already have a book in the works. Do you know when that might come out? I mean, you, you have a lot of photographs to take still. You're right. Yeah, but... I have about 50 photographs. Um, I already spoke to the to the designer. And so to be to start designing next year. So I have, you know, a, a year and a half to photograph. And so that's mm -hmm. the idea is to have um, a, a book by then, and then to then find a publisher. I, I found that you know, it's, it's having a book published is not for the weak of heart. I mean, you really, it's, it takes a long time and it takes a big investment, but, but for the kind of work I did, I wanted it to be, you know, to be um, uh, part of, again, it's a fine art photographer to have a monograph. It's something that I had really had a, 
as a as a personal goal and I was able to reach reach it um yeah so um I did that with the help of you know of um, a lot of support and and um and just you know I found that it was it for me it continues to be just part of the kind of completing a particular project I didn't a lot of people ask me about Forge from Fire and not everything is a book Mm -hmm. yeah not everything has to be can be seen I just think it's about process yeah yeah. I was just thinking about your series too and just the focus on, you know, with COVID with all the healthcare workers. I think that's gonna be really just incredible to, to see those photographs. Yeah, I, I think um and I'm also um I'm you know, uh, I photograph also you know, I like the sense of diptychs and so I you know, I, I have photographed a you know, obviously a Democrat vote for Hillary, but I also wanna do a Trump supporter, but I haven't gotten too many volunteers, but I will mm-hmm. for that one. And then since, I mean, it looks like you, you generally, like many people do series, um, I, do you have other projects you work on simultaneously or do you tend to focus on one project until completion and then move on to the next? Yeah, I tend to stay with a project. Um, you know, I'm the opposite of, you know, somebody who shoots a lot. I mean, I did that in the very beginning. I mean, I would say that to anybody who's learning any craft is to really explore, 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 shoot, 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 particularly in photography. But I think for me, I'm the opposite of somebody who kind of just photographs. I mean, I think the only the one way I um, do create images just because I feel like it is this Instagram format is is really divine. And it's really perfect for someone like me who who really um, likes to capture and create photographs. And so um, I, you know, I, I do that sort of thing, but I'm also a collaborator. So I'm always looking to work with others. I love this, this format with you. Thank you so much for the invitation because I think it's really powerful. It reaches a lot of people. I think, um, so podcasts are just, um, insanely cool and important. Yeah. And so, um, and I haven't given up on doing a film or working on a film. It's something that I've loved. I I love you know documentary films and so I think it's it's that sort of thing. I also I wanted to say that um, I have um, um, I have this uh, online art gallery. It's called Perch Art House uh-huh. with Ann Trinka. So it's my way of also having a gallery um, that supports artists. And so that's um, something we just created and you can find us online, Perch Art House. And the idea is to support artists. And so we give a percentage, we take a small percentage, um, actually Ann does, she's a curator. And then we also have the objects of things that we find interesting, funny or curious or that sort of thing. And uh, so that be, that's another project that I have, uh, which is uh, Perch Art House. Is that percharthouse.com? Yes. Okay. Yeah. P-E-R-C-H. I hope. Right. Because we used okay. to have something called Napa Nest. And so we closed that down years ago. And so we we uh, surfaced as um, online and online uh, and we perched. Yeah, that's a great idea. My friend, um, I, one artist friend who I interviewed for this uh, podcast, she and a group of artists are starting this thing on Instagram where you um, you sell your work for under $200. And then once you get to $1,000 in sales, then you purchase a work of art from another artist for $200. So it's just a, a cool Amazing. way to get um, the sharing of art. Absolutely. I highly recommend collecting any art. Actually, whenever um, I had sold my work, I mean, unfortunately, I lost all the my, my entire collection and I had um, oh dear, I'm Mary Ellen Mark Prince. I mean, I had really wow. great, you know, Prince. Um, so what I have is their memory, but you know, to replace them is, is pretty, is pretty tough, but yes, I encourage, I really encourage, I mean, talk about, which is why I love the name of your podcast, living artists that I really think it's important to support them. Cause if you really look at all the famous artists in the past, they were all supported by other, by people. I mean, they all mm-hmm. had, uh, people who collected their work. It wasn't just the public. It was, it, it was a, a community of people that supported them. Yeah. So um, I was going to mention too, just your your activity with Photo Alliance, since you're you're one of the founding members, and I assume you spend some time working on that. 
I did. You know, it was um, I was, if you know, going back to my my um, my clear connection to fine art photography, and so. Uh, as I started to network and I realized that there was this organization of the Art Institute with Linda Connor and Lonnie, who was one of your, your guests that you mm -hmm. interviewed, um, that I wanted to support them. And so I was on their board for about 10 years and was privileged really to hear some of the greats from Sally Mann and lectures to, you know, Bruce Davidson. And I mean, it goes on and on, the kind of the the, the roster of people. And so it's still alive and well. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's some changes there, but it became kind of my, my go-to uh, organization to support in, in the Bay area. And so they still do lectures at the art Institute. I think things are now er like everything else on hold, but yeah. I, it was an example of how I found that I wanted to really go to a community and find a community that um, had kind of some shared values. And I, and I, it's, it's something I really encourage most people to do because they, you know, it's amazing how the world really, is, well, it is even smaller now with the internet where um, you really can connect with a lot of different people and with your work and share your work. I highly recommend people share the work. It's amazing how um, people then create platforms and opportunities to show. So it became a way for me to hear great lectures and um, and support a lot of the photography in San Francisco and in the Bay Area, actually. Yeah, and um, I know they're featuring a different photographer almost every month now during the quarantine just to um, highlight different photographers. So it's a, Absolutely. It's a good website like to check out. It, it's a great organization and one to really, um, 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 you know, support and like, and like um, Aperture, they sell prints and so the money goes back to um, supporting their organizations. So it's another great place to collect photography. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, for the close of our interview, I just want to ask you a couple of life questions and sure. it's a, an interview about living artists. Um, so what's one of the most exhilarating experiences you've ever had? One was exhilarating. Um, let's see. Well, probably when I, um, the first um, is when I first saw my my um, my first child. Um, she was born in in Santiago, Chile, and I'm in Chile, and I um, and I adopted her. And I it, it doesn't get any better than that to get my hands wow. on on your first child. I mean, to this yeah, day, it gives me the chills. Um, so I would say that every time I, I have three children and they're all adopted, I, I would say that those are my epic moments, the ones that I remember. Because sometimes memory is funny, right? I mean, memory can be both positive and it could be negative. Mm -hmm. And the reason we remember all the bad stuff is because there's a lot of you know emotion that tied to it, right? Yeah. And so when you said exhilarating, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, that that wouldn't be to me one of the most epic. Uh, experiences. I also come to life when I go to the city. When I mm -hmm. go to any any urban environment, I'm one of these people that I just it's like fuel. Yeah, I, just, I yeah. come alive. I just come alive. So, well, luckily, I was just thinking about museums opening soon. I, I read that <gasps> some are some are starting to open. So I'm yes. looking forward to well, when you know, I, re I yeah, open. I recommend the Frida Kahlo one. Appearances oh, are yeah. deceiving. I just um, I just was invited and and heard on a webinar. Um, Circe. Um, the, she's a, the curator, fashion curator, to be fascinating. I re highly recommend if you're in the Bay Area, it's the hours, they haven't opened, it's supposed to be there until July 26 or something at the De Young Museum, but I will go there and uh, talk about exhilarating. I mean, that, that anytime I go to something like that, that I find just, yeah. I walk away just inspired. Yeah, I totally agree. They're also having a call for artists, which you probably saw as well for the Bay, for the Bay Area, which... Um, I encourage you to check out that they're taking artwork starting June 1st, Monday. Um, and and where at? Um, the De Young is putting on a show. Of, they're going to have a thousand um, artworks of local artists. So I'm going to submit a couple photos as well. So oh, I, I, you, yes. you should definitely do that as well. Oh, that, thank you for telling me that. Yeah. Be, that yeah. would be fantastic. You know. Yeah. Um, um, and then how about the most inspirational place, uh, you know, geographic place? Hmm. That's hard. Um, somehow for me, 
Because I have so many different places. Um, Just on know, Instagram, I noticed your house, or your, it looks like your surroundings are gorgeous where you live. The uh, that, yes. that qualifies, but <laughs> it looks incredible. <laughs> yes, it. Uh, I have pretty much probably the coolest shelter in place. Um, yeah. At the moment, that's probably it. I can look at the mountains, the Mayakama Mountains, and and look out there and um, and just uh, be in the moment. So probably, currently, that's that's the the my happy place. Yeah, it's very zen. Again, I'm very urban, so mm-hmm. I could take either way. I could swing both very zen or chaotic. Yeah, um, but that's kind of it depends on my mood. So I would say that. Um, in terms of, of places, it's really in the moment. I mean, I do do my best living in the moment, yeah, and in present and where I'm at. It's usually where I go to, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. And then two two last two last questions. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? It can be life advice or art advice. Yeah, um, I you know what I go to a lot is you know I took a class you know again in the workshops I, w- I wish I would recall the photographer the woman but it was through friends photography and and I maybe the this woman saw it in me as she started to see and and um, I think I had like I participated in a review and one of the things that she said to me which I, I still remember to this day and also Sally Mann but one of them was you know, I think she saw this artist, I was trying to do it all by myself. And I think what she's and and having children, and I think that what she saw was somebody who needed, needed a little advice. And the advice was, don't do it, you don't have to do everything alone. You don't have to, you don't have to, in my case, take the photograph, develop it, get a contact sheet, you know, make a print, then, you know, and then have it framed and et cetera, et cetera. So, 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 so her message to me is, is it's really takes um, many different ways to create your work. And it's important to let go of all of it, you know, to to not feel like you have to do all of it for it to be your work Mm -hmm. that I think I know that, um, it's it's when you really um, uh, involve maybe other people um, it, that, that it starts to, to happen for you. So that was one. The other was when Sally Mann was asked at a lecture, um, so why do you photograph your children? And, and um, she said, because they're in my backyard. <laughs> and I thought that's so simple and beautiful. Mm-hmm. because in a lot of ways she's right and I remember that particularly when I came from that one workshop and found myself in a place of of trying to determine what I was going to photograph next and what I realized is that I don't have to go very far I don't have to get on a plane and I don't have to go and create work that way I can create in the back of in, in back of my yard and in my case it was my community so that right. was the other piece of advice that I thought was very important in my career was that you don't have to go very far to do the work. Mm-hmm. It's it's similar to the thing people say with writers: just write what you know. I think it's a right. similar concept. <laughs> exactly. Um, so then, the final question: What advice would you give to photographers who are just starting out in terms of just getting going, or any right. words of advice you might have? Right. Yeah, um, what I would tell them and and do actually, because um, I don't know if you saw from my my background that I've I've taught kids at risk um, in the community, and I have you know taught photography, and um, so one of the things that I do is that it, no matter what you do in whatever field, but particularly photography, I think it's it's definitely very important to know the history of photography, mm-hmm. and while that's a bit certainly academic. It's it's in, it's it's to me it's paramount. It's paramount to know history, yeah. to know something about it. The great way to do that is obviously a class. If you can't do it, do it online. But no matter what, you got to study photography. So that's like number one. Learn the history. Learn you know you'll learn the craft later. But um, and then the other thing is, um, don't determine what kind of photography you're going to do until you photograph a lot. So photograph 
shoot, shoot, shoot. Now, saying that in the digital world, it, that could be endless and overwhelming. So I say, go find a vintage camera out there, analog, get a roll of film and just shoot one by one. I mean, go through that experience. I, most people maybe, well, most people in, of a certain era don't even know that really the Instagram format came from that square camera from Kodak. I mean, the square is a very creative um, uh, structure, right? Um, because it's got, the, it's a square. We don't see in a square, we see in a re rectangular so, way. So I would, I would recommend that people shoot and then um, get some feedback from somebody who photographs. I mean, mm -hmm. people are very generous with their time and then see if there's something there and if it's something you can do. And I think that if you really follow your passion about it, you can make a living from it. Yeah. If that's what you choose to do. Absolutely. Particularly in photography. So that's what I would say to them. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today. And I wanted to refer people to your Instagram, which is at Norma I Quintana, Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-A. -A. Um, and right. you can also visit her website, NormaIQuintana.com. And then on my right. website, Living Artist Podcast, there's a profile section about her as well that links over to her website. So yeah. lots of room Fantastic. for people to learn more about you. But I really appreciate thank you spending the time with me today. This was really interesting. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the invitation. It was an honor. Yeah, and take care. Please subscribe to the Living Artist Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to review the podcast and share it so that I can get more listeners and establish a larger living artist community.